Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, alongside just Ethan tonight. There is no Mitch. He is off tonight. Um, Ethan, we have a uh, site sponsor for WFNY. It's uh, breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. Uh, if you go to that website um, on uh, anything, your browser, your phone, your anything, uh, it'll take you to the Cleveland collection that uh, Breaking Tea has. You can find some great options for your Guardians gear, Browns gear, Cavs gear, whatever you find. My mom, uh, my wife, actually, not my mom, my wife, bought me the uh, Jose, Jose, Jose shirt that they just posted their new one. Uh, Ethan, have you checked out anything on our BreakingTea.com uh, collection yet at all or no? That Jose, Jose, Jose t-shirt is a slam dunk after we got him re-signed. It really was. That was, it, it, it's it definitely beautiful. secured, it secured any kind of Jose Ramirez shirt. So you got, I'm actually wearing my J-Ram uh, jersey today. Uh, we're not on video, but uh, wanted to make sure I, I had that. So It um, is good luck among us at the WFNY site. Yes, yes. I was debating on getting the uh, King Kwan one, but I uh, I did not get the, that one yet. So it's very possible if he keeps it up like he did today, where he got a game winning hit, his uh, first career game winning hit um, today in the double headers that were going on. Uh, did you uh, were you able to watch? I know you were, we were talking in the Discord during um, game one. Were you able to watch any of game two and see Kwan's uh, game winner there, walk off hit? I sadly missed the three-run rally in the eighth, but I was able to catch Class uh, A shutting down the Padres one-two-three in the top of the ninth, giving the team a chance. And then, fantastic! It, what more can you say about Quan? Man, he is electric. He was still waiting on news to figure out what happened to Mercado, or if he was just pulled because uh, Gore left the game. But uh, I was I saw... assuming. I was assuming it was. A lefty is out and a righty is in, but I very easily could be wrong on that one. It could have been that it could have been that simple, but at one point early in the game, I remember him flagging down a fly ball in foul territory and stubbing his foot on the tarp. Uh, and I know he walked away a little bit uh, tender from that, but he did hit. So I don't know. It, it could be as simple as that, or we might get some news on Mercado in the morning. But I don't it's think possible. anything super serious. Well, let's discuss uh, some of the uh, games today. We uh, the the Guardians had a doubleheader today um, because yesterday's postponement, and this being uh, San Diego's only uh, trip to Cleveland this year, so they wanted to make sure they got the two games in. And also, San Diego was uh, leaving, heading back out. I think they have a game tomorrow. Um, but Zach Plezak started the first game, um, and Cal Quantrill started the second game. I think Plezak went. He went. F- 
did he go six innings for five and a third or something like that? I don't remember. He got pulled. Uh, I think he made it into the fifth, and then he allowed a pretty loud double to Kim and a bloop single, so nobody on first and second, and they pulled him in favor of Eniel De Los Santos. Yes. Uh, Eniel De Los Santos, uh, we have figured out the roster move um, that uh, he is able to be on the roster without being on the 40-man because of the COVID list. Did not okay, so it is because Chang is still rehabbing. Correct. Chang, uh, okay. Yu Chang is still on the COVID list IL, uh, which allows um, De Los Santos to remain with the uh, the big club, as it were. Um, but uh, yeah, please like didn't look, didn't have great stuff um, today. Was able to mix in a lot of his uh, off speed things, off speed offerings, um, and scatter some hits. Ethan, what was your uh, what was your take on Plezak today? We've he been, was. We've been uh, a, a, a major proponent of Plezak Island um, and leaving him there, but um, so go ahead and give me that. He wasn't the. I think I've made my spiel pretty clear that <laughs> what I'm seeing is not anything that I particularly enjoy, especially the still decreased velocity. And we talked about that private side in our Discord, that it's still early. And last week we'd gone through the, the conversation that I'd overheard that this is where guys wanted to be their first start of the season. But at the same time, I have the, the red flags are starting to grow larger for me at this point with, with the velocity concerns and guys not locating or, or executing well. Because in game one, Mike Clevenger was on the mound, former Cleveland Indian. And that man threw 100 pitches in his first start back recovering from Tommy John surgery. Right. And he wasn't missing any velocity. Yeah. So yeah, he was, we were uh, we were at, at length discussed uh, in our game thread discord about how many pitches he was going to go. And we we incorrectly guessed 75. And even on the telecast, they were suggesting 75 was going to be his max. And uh, he, he did a full 20 more or so than that uh, it was only through four and two thirds so he did get out of the fifth inning but and that and that's always been club's kind of mo that he's he's sometimes does burn a bunch because he he gets a lot he gets a lot of k's he also gets a lot of walks but um um you know yeah as you said it was it was surprising to see clevenger have the the velocity that he had while please and, and on his first start back while please was still struggling to get over 90. And back to Plezak, it's it was a strange thing that uh, Mitchell and I picked up on in Game Thread uh, in the in the later parts of his start. I think it was in the fourth inning that we noticed three straight batters. He just kind of gave up on the fastball. He was throwing only sliders, changeups, and curves to I think it was the five, six, seven hitters of the Padres, and it it worked. He was locating the curve pretty well. He got a swing and a miss on the changeup, but it was just bizarre that you know a fastball is usually a pitcher's best weapon and he just stopped throwing it pretty late in the start right i have to go back and look at all of the pitches that he made but at least that one inning unless that was planned to do that that still seems kind of bizarre to me yeah to, to scrap your your four seamer you know it's not something that you generally see you normally see guys go the other way where they go predominantly fastball and, and, you know, try to locate. I remember there was, this is going to 
date me. Um, but there was, I think it was <laughs> Jason Davis was a, uh, a, a starter who ended up being a convert, uh, a rel- converting to reliever um, back for the Indians. Then um, I think he threw something like a hundred pitches and 90, some of them were fastballs. It was, it was re- something ridiculous, it, but it was for one start. And he, j- and I think he, it was possibly his last start that he did. Uh, because he just he didn't have anything else, and that's normally where you see guys go is, and, and which again leads to them being relievers, which is what we've always talked about with Plezak. Um, so it's it's interesting that you, like you said, it, it's it's a little weird to see if he's going backwards and going you know more with an off with an off speed arsenal and and ditching the fastball. Um, command has always been his his thing. If he's able to command his pitches, then he's He's golden, but early on today, he, he just didn't seem to have it. Yeah, um, it wasn't pretty. And, you know, to your point, talking about guys who you know, rely on one pitch more than others, in the second game, we saw lefty Mackenzie Gore, who has been one of baseball's highly touted prospects for years. So it's nice to see a guy like that finally up at the majors and producing. Uh, but at the same time, another strange one where he is 65% fastball usage, I think I saw on the broadcast coming into mm-hmm. today. So another one of those guys. But Gore is a lefty and throws 97. So he's right. got a little bit more leeway than Plesak, who's averaging about 90 and doesn't have much deception. Right. He is an athlete, though. I mean, you know, that's we keep on hearing that as... as... Every time there a guy gets on first, it's the pickoff move. But you know, when there's guys on first every inning, we don't need to hear about that. So yeah, that is um, true. going with uh, more of game uh, two. Cal Quantrill had the very rough first inning, and then seemed to settle down. Um, what did you? Uh, you didn't get to see too much of the uh, the second game. I know you were there at the beginning because you mentioned something in our game thread of, oh, it's going to be one of those. Uh, what what were you uh, what were you noticing there that you were wanting to talk about? Um, that's going to be one of those games. I'm not normally this guy, and Bodie called me on it. But depending on what pitch tracking you used, Cal Quantrill got very unlucky on a 3-2 pitch to Manny Machado that should have been strike three according to Savant and was borderline according to MLB.com. Machado was walked, and the Padres put up four straight singles to score three runs. I'm not normally the guy that says officiating cost us that one, but I'm going to have to disagree with Bode. The the, the stat cast one from uh, Savant it was very clearly strike three and it was in the exact same spot as a pitch that was called a strike two pitches before and very much feel like please that could have gotten out of that inning unscathed. Obviously the team came back and won it a uh, very competitive pair of games. Actually, it was pretty nice to see when it you're either watching Cleveland blow somebody out or get blown out. It was nice to see a pair of one run games, actual right. momentum swings. Yeah. You know, I I was hoping that they would win drama. one of them. Drama. Right. We're, we're seeing some, you know, <laughs> some storylines here. I was hoping that they would win one of them so that I didn't have to sit here and say it felt good to lose two games by one run, but it felt good to watch actual momentum swings and to see the team fight back. 
you know, that, that had only happened twice in the last 10 games. One of that weird nine, eight game in Oakland and one of the games against the Yankees. But other than yeah. that, they were either getting blown out or blowing out. This is one of our, uh, the teams also few wins against teams that are over 500. Um, first of the season versus season. Okay. Thank you. For well, that. Um, if you want to count the, the, one zero and two zero games against Kansas City, but of teams that have come into the play uh, into play that day above five hundred, right. yeah, the second game should have been the first because I think the White Sox were under. They didn't take one from the Yankees or the Angels or the Giants. Right. Yeah, but Quantrill ended up striking out seven uh, in the game, and um, Goes came in, pitched well, um, got those two Ks, big uh, big strikeouts, and. Um, Trevor Steffen normally has, has been really good, and we've talked about how well he's done. Uh, gave up two runs and, and three walks, which is very uncharacteristic of Trevor Steffen. Um, but uh, that's what ended up getting, giving the Padres the lead for a little bit before Anthony Castro came in as the 27th man today. And as you said, uh, Class A came in and shut the door, and Sandlin got the win in the second game, striking out uh, striking out one, walk, getting two walks, but ended up... Uh, keeping keeping them at bay in that in that 10th inning so yeah um, we're back and got it when he needed it but you mentioned yeah. Quantrill and Mitchell and I have both been on this that if he's going to be successful he needs to start getting those swings and misses and needs to get a couple of strikeouts a game it's something he hasn't done so far this right. season he'd only done it feels like two here or three there he hasn't been super impactful so to see him get seven was nice, but he also shot himself in the foot a bit. He did allow five walks in six innings. Yeah. So it was it was a weird thing to see where he kind of got the swing and miss thing going, but he let a lot of counts run really deep today. Yeah, and and on the back end of a doubleheader, it's it's kind of you don't want to get your bullpen overworked in the first game, and luckily they were able to use only. Um, only four pitchers in the first game. So they didn't necessarily go deep into that well of, of pitchers, but um, we can kind of let a little bit go in the second game of if you're, if you've been, if you've been efficient in the first, you can get a little deep in the guys on the, in the second game. And it seemed as though Quantrill uh, was able to get out of it, which is nice. So uh, the yeah, only thing I want I... to go ahead. I was just going to say, Bodie and I were very concerned after that first inning where he was up over 30 pitches, and we both kind of said to each other, oh, God, they're going to be in the bullpen deep for the second game of this doubleheader, right. and thought for sure the sweep streak was going to keep going. But uh, but it did not. Um, the only thing I wanted to mention more about today, and then we can get into other things from uh, last weekend and, uh, and into the future, was um, just the... One, the use of uh, subs were spectacular today, I think, in, sec- in, in the second game. But um, you had mentioned that uh, in, the, in our Discord that Fran Mill was in the lineup for yesterday, but then not in the lineup today for game one. Um, I made the mention that I was thinking they were planning on using Owen Miller twice um, and wanted to give him a day off, or at least a game off. So they used him as a DH in... in Game one, let Fran Mills sit against the tough righty and Clevenger so that they would, they would be able to use him in the outfield for game two. At least that's what it uh, it seemed to me. Um, what were your um, what were your feelings in that second game? Uh, they were able to use, you mentioned Stephen Kwan, possibly in for Mercado as a 
maybe possible injury replacement, but um, a pinch hitter, Jason, uh, Josh Naylor, rather, um, in that, was it the ninth inning? Yeah, ninth eighth. inning, or eighth inning, um, to tie the game up. Um, how did you feel the roster management was today in the, uh, in the two games? Significantly better than it has been recently. Um, and that's not necessarily a knock on Terry Francona, right? You can make the subs based on any statistic metric that you want to, but at the end of the day, the guy that you throw out there who should have a favorable matchup has to swing the bat and put the ball in play. So obviously I'm going to sit here and say that the subs were fantastic because almost every guy they put out there did something. Right. You know, Quan walked it off in the bottom of the 10th. Naylor tied the game in the bottom of the eighth. Um, and, you know, let's not forget about Andres Jimenez, who played both games today, started game two against a lefty and was one of those runs that scored in the eighth to tie the yeah. second game. So there was a lot to love today and just really resilient baseball all around. Um, there was a lot of talk on Twitter that it felt like the team couldn't catch a break and untimely pitching out of the bullpen when it felt like some momentum was swinging their way. I know I was a proponent of that latter statement, but it was true for a large part of the day until Classe came into the game and shut it down after we, they tied the game. Um, so really well all around um, the defensive gaffe by Naylor in the first game kind of hurt, which maybe had something to do with him not starting game two feel like he was lined up to play both yeah i think they were i i don't know that they would have used they're pretty solidly using mercado against lefties i don't know that they i was more surprised that jimenez was starting against lefty than uh naylor being out um i don't think they were i i definitely can see a world where they would have used you know uh, were yeah, it was a little bit of a punishment, but I, I think the game plan was for him to sit against the lefty in the in game two um, and be used off the bench, which is exactly what they did. Um, and it worked out uh, exactly to plan. So he did um, redeem himself in that first game after the error. Yes, and he like I say he he uh, he's he spoiled that uh, the great snag by Jimenez, and then actually. Uh, Jimenez had another uh, almost a similarly spectacular uh, grab later on in the game, and he was able to, uh, Naylor was able to secure the, the ball on that one. So, um, yeah, I, I think the, I think overall today we can, excited about not having a, a sweep. Um, I titled the episode No Sweeps Till Toronto uh, as a uh, Beastie Boys reference, which I, don't know their music as well as I should uh, as a 36-year-old white male. Um, as a 27-year-old white man, I have a lot of respect for that name. Yeah, uh, you're welcome on that. So I, I know enough to know the jokes. So um, let's move on to uh, the series that we just you know, last week that they uh, got done with, uh, the Angels and then Oakland. Um, we mentioned how, we mentioned before, how this offense seems to be super Jekyll and Hyde. Um, to, uh, today they were actually scoring a couple runs, both games. They had, um, they were in that weird zone where we kept saying that they weren't, they were, they weren't in where they were, they had four runs in the first game, six runs in the second game. Um, some of the few games that they've been able to have between, uh, three and six runs 
Um, they were either scoring less than two, two or two or fewer, or seven and more. Um, but in the Oakland series, uh, through three games, they scored 19 runs. They only scored seven runs in a four-game series against the Angels. Um, at what point is this? They suck against good teams. Uh, and what point? And what point is this? A little bit less of, um, you know, random variance. Because it, it, I mean, it, I'm I'm fine either way. Honestly, if, if this is just a little bit of craziness, where Oakland, you know, I mean, they they faced Frankie Montas, they faced major league pitching. Kate James Caprillion, he was just making his first start back from the from the IL. But I mean, these are major league starters. You know, this isn't uh, Oakland could easily be accused of being a quad A team. Uh, without a doubt, but um, their pitching was still decent. Frankie Montas is getting lots of looks around the league as being a pitcher that everybody wants um, and just hasn't traded for yet. Uh, Angels, like uh, like we've talked about before, you kind of get it a little bit more. Their pitching right now is is nails. Um, but uh, at what point, like I said, is this they're just struggling against the good teams or is this still just random variance this early in the season? This isn't going to be a thing long-term going forward. What we've seen a lot of as, as fans in these last couple of weeks and how these series have gone up and down. The problem has been that when the team is off, like they were in that angel series. And we talked about this briefly last week, the only thing in your lineup that's going to, be working for you night in and night out is Jose Ramirez. So right. when there's nobody in front of or behind him, you just walk Jose who might set career highs this year. So this is one of those things where just a few more guys need to figure it out and right. get it together. Straw, Quan, Jose, the top three, there's not a lot of worry around those guys. It's right. four five, six that, need to get it together, need to find some consistency. Maybe one day the team will stop batting Andres Jimenez seventh in front of Austin Hedges and he can produce and be part of this offense because he has been one of those guys that I think is really close to figuring it out. But a lot of it is Fran Neal is glacier cold. Miller has cooled off recently. He's drawn some walks, but he's not roping a double every other swing of the bat which right. is normal. This is baseball. Naylor has been producing, but isn't playing every game right now. So as these guys start to piece together and find their strides and figure out what they're going to be over the course of the season, what the production's going to look like, this is just kind of the reality that we have to live in right now. And it's either going to be all nine guys are clicking or one out of nine, and they're just going to walk that one. Right. I think there was a point in one of the Oakland games where Jose saw nine straight balls. Like you know, they was they were pitching around him without without giving the intentional walk. And, the Padres uh, pitched around him with the bases loaded today. Yeah, yeah, they walked in a run. Um, yeah. it, it, there's just no security there behind Jose, and uh, it's it's pretty obvious he had five plate appearances today, had two walks, and got that RBI from the uh, from the one rocket in. So, added to the total, I think he's still le- leading the league in RBI, so add it up. But um, to that end, Fran Mill, like I said, was off in the early game, 
um, for reasons unbeknownst to uh, all of us, except for Terry, uh, but was able to record two hits today, uh, two for four, scored a run, did have a strikeout, but um, you, you with the Oakland game on Sunday where we had that single to right field, um, two hits today after sitting one, um, you know, I mean, obviously it's been two games of his, three games total, but it's it's nice to see that there's, you know, at least been some contact from him at this point. That's it, it's it's hard to say that you're excited about contact, but that's where you, that's where he's at right now is that you're just happy to see him actually, you know, meet bat the ball. He's been looking so over the plate. Um, but yeah, I absolutely agree with you on the the needed depth of um, the lineup when when Quan is out and they have to put Ahmed up at top, it messes with the, um, with the game plan of, of burning pitches and getting through starters um, and really puts the onus impetus on Jose and, and further down the lineup to actually get some hits. Um, so I, I, I do agree with you that it's, it's not something that's going to happen the whole rest of the week. Um, they do have they do have Toronto coming in, um, and they're we're they're they're facing all their start all their studs Barrios, Gosman, Manoa. Um, so we'll we'll see what this weekend brings with the offense. Um, don't be surprised if it's a little bit more of uh, of Jekyll, I think, or is it Hyde? Would it, would Jekyll be in this instance? Jekyll is obviously the monster. Would the monster be the good of what you want, or is Jekyll the like the the bad? Is Jekyll just this because Hyde would be the one that's impotent for you know lack of a better term? I think trying you would to figure want... out what we're what we're talking about here. Getting real yeah, in depth. I think you would want Jekyll. In, de- in depth even... English major here that we're trying to this, that we're trying to discuss. Is I think Jekyll... you want Jekyll to be the the beating the doors off of teams things, right? Because right. You want to look at that offense and be like, that's a monstrosity that I want nothing to do with. Right. right now. Yeah. But, yep. Okay. Cool. So we're gonna call Jekyll the Oakland series and Hyde the Angel series. Yeah. There we and go. we'll go from forward as 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 representations. So. Hard Sounds good stuff to me. right here on the WFMY Cornercast. Right. <laughs> if you are listening to the uh, Cornercast and you are currently writing your finals papers for college, you may cite us if you so please. I will write a letter to your professor. Um, who knows? I may even know them. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, okay, we're going into uh, biggest surprises of the first month. I'm watching my wife play Pokemon Go and it's it's fantastic. She's AR feeding berries to an EV and it's just keep getting further and further away from your phone. Um that's all on the podcast by the way. That's all in there. I'm not editing this out either. This is great. This is great television. I mean um, I'm in a Pokemon t shirt so we can yep. go there we go all the way there right now. So 
my uh my my daughter's favorite one is uh um Sylveon right now. So anyway, Pokemon talk aside. Get us back on track here. Uh we are about a month into the season now. We've switched it over to May. Today's May the fourth. May the fourth be with you. Um Ethan, who are your biggest surprises of the month? Uh, give me one of yours that's on offense and one of yours that's on pitching. We'll go offense first. Big surprise, good or bad, doesn't matter. Um, what? Uh, what? Uh, who is? Who has stood out to you as one of the biggest surprises for you on offense? Let me preface this with he shouldn't be, but it's Andres Jimenez. I'm sorry, are you talking about Everyday Andres? I am talking about everyday Andres. Everyday yes. Andres. Uh, affectionate nickname of the WFNY staff for Andres Jimenez, coined by your very own host, Gerbs, here. He has so may been, or may not, but possibly it was me. Who knows? He has been excellent. And that's not really an understatement. Here's the thing, though. This really shouldn't surprise fans. And I think it has a lot to do with a combination of things. When Andres cracked camp last year as the opening day shortstop as a 22-year-old, I don't think too much of the fan base took notice. I, I think a lot of people were very, very much licking their wounds from the Lindor trade that brought Jimenez to Cleveland. And he had a really rough first 30 games that saw him just demoted to AAA as, as right. fast as possible. It was a one-way ticket. I don't think he ever stood a, a chance, to be honest, both thrown to the wolves by the team and just being railed with apathy from the fan base. So either people didn't care or didn't notice that Andres was a really highly graded prospect out of the Mets farm system. He was a top 100 player. He was the Mets' number two overall prospect behind Pete Alonso before he broke his rookie status in 2019. No, 2020 during the shortened season. He played 49 games. So it really shouldn't surprise people that Jimenez has been this good. But the thing that's really jumping out to me is that he's not doing anything revolutionary with his stance. What he's done is change his approach entirely. Uh, this is a guy who he kind of got a lot of flack for just being a hacking and everything that came his way guy in 2021 he struck out a lot. Um, but let me put it this way for you with some of his stats in 2020 and 2021, he swung at 36% and 35.2% of first pitches thrown his way this season. He's swinging at 22% of those. In 2021, he's taken a first pitch strike on only 50% of the pitches that have been thrown to him. And this was entering action Wednesday the 4th for the doubleheader. In the previous two seasons, he was taking first pitches on 63.3 and 65.2%. He's working the count. He is more patient at the plate, and he's not chasing the first pitch thrown his way. It's really helped him get ahead in the count, and it's forcing pitchers to throw down the middle to him, which is where he right. feasts. And that's a sign of a good hitter. It's what Jose does. He forces player pitchers to work around him. And then when he's ahead in the count three, one, and they have nowhere to put him, they've got to throw him a pitch that he can hit. Right. 
Now, he's been a bit lucky. He does have a 410 BABIP, and that suggests that he will come down a little bit. But this is a guy that Fangraph says in their Zips projections that if he hits just 250, he's a three-war player. Right. According to the metrics this season, and this is with some luck currently and him actually not really hitting the ball all that hard, he's expected to finish around 280 which would be a very respectable everyday player for this team right. and would take his game to new heights and elevate this lineup around him. Yeah. So if this isn't just a hot streak, if these changes to his approach and how he's seeing the ball out of the pitcher's hand truly has improved this much, this 23 year old's for real. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I definitely love what uh, we're seeing out of Jimenez. Um, one thing that gives me, a little bit of pause, a little bit of, um, honestly, just consternation right now. Um, I'm trying to figure out how I want to take it. Uh, he has a 1.9 walk rate right now, walk percentage. Um, generally, as a it, it hitter, he's his, his career average in Cleveland, in the minors, 5.2, um, 4.8 total is his actual career career. Um, so low this year he's still producing um so you are you going to want to you want him to stay aggressive in making contact fighting off pitches getting ahead in the count but you want to also see some of the stuff come back a little bit to where he's getting on base a little bit more taking those walks when he needs to you know um right now he's he's punishing the, the mistake pitches that they're making and that's great. So you don't really necessarily want him to take more walks, but that will normalize a little bit too. I don't think he's going to be a 2% walk rate hitter the rest of the season. He's only a five career. So it's not like he's going to be gaining a whole bunch there, but the more at bats he gets, the only other thing is right now his, his ISO is a hundred points better than his year last year. Um, not so much his, uh, it's about yeah, almost 90 points better than his career ISO. Um, so there's a little bit of luck there with some of the bad balls. And as you said, he's not hitting it hard. And, and the with the bad bit, some of that luck will go out. But as it normalizes with um, the walk rate and things like that, um, that will go up, that will come down. Some of the plateaus will start to even out a little bit with Jimenez. So, um, but yeah, I think there's a legitimate major league hitter here. There's a you know, I, I don't think we're getting in, into all-star territory here, but um, as we're looking at Jimenez going forward, he definitely has established himself as a potential middle infield option when there's guys that are behind him that are knocking on the door trying to get in. And he's he's holding them off at this point. And, and you know, obviously... Uh, we weren't going to mention it tonight, but Gabriel uh, Arias broke his hand, so he's out for a couple months. Um, so he, and Tyler Freeman's just now getting back, not doing great, but just now getting back after being out for most of last year. Um, so while it's, you know, I, I saying these guys are knocking out the door, but it, it, they're not so much this year as much as next couple. But um, he looks to have a spot this right now. So, um, yeah, I, I've been excited and surprised at how good he's been this year. Yeah, um, if you want to put that in perspective, you you touched on it right there, which is there's guys 
knocking on the door right on his heels. Right. And Meisel mentioned it when he was on uh, preseason, and we've carried the theme that this is a developmental year, and it's about figuring out what guys are part of the future in this ball club. And Andres Jimenez's hot start is starting to teeter on being a breakout and might be shades of who he could be at his ceiling. Now, he's still 23. It might take him another two seasons to get to that ceiling, but it's still promising. And if you want to think about it, the guys that are biting at his heels are going to have to be better than him to take it. Right. And Andres is already pretty good. And not even just better at the plate, too. They have to be better on the on the field. Yeah, and, and he's and, made some incredible defensive plays this season, too. Yeah. So the team's in a good spot, I think, for where they're going to set the bar for right. what's going to qualify who unseats who. Yeah, to, to be able to have that high of a um have that high of a bar and say this is this is who you have to beat out. They're either going to keep playing Jimenez at this level not or complain. they're gonna have somebody better. And yeah. <laughs> that's not a bad option. So both of those things are a really good spot to be because you're happy right. with Jimenez or anybody better than Jimenez might be a budding star. Right. Um, my, one of my biggest surprises this year has been how, um, honestly, how good Josh Naylor has been. Um, I've wanted to, I've been on the Naylor train. I've been a, a fan of his this year and in the previous years and wanted him to be, uh, a, a star for this team. And, and so far this year it's, it's happening. Um, his, his OPS numbers aren't as great as Jimenez. Uh, he's only got eight nineteen right now, but. He's still not walking. He's doing better with contact, but he's got a 143 WRC plus right now. Um, his contact numbers are still really great. Still not pushing. Not he's doing better at pulling the ball, getting a lot of um, grounders through the hole at second base, um, getting a lot of the getting a lot of those hits. If he gets the if he gets the ball in, in the air a little bit more, I think is where you're going to start seeing a little bit more um, plus out of his swing. Um, but being able to to have him there at first base in right field and that mix with Owen Miller and Mercado and you can argue who's who's platooning with who at what position you know I I think at this point Owen has still uh, established and secured himself some regular at bats, um, but Naylor's not going away and you know it, I. I don't want I, at this point. It sounds weird to say I don't want Oscar to go away because I do like having that right-handed bat off the bench um, in the outfield. Uh, right now, you'd be taking, you'd be moving Oscar out to keep Palacios up, possibly um, when Chang comes back. Um, if Chang comes back, who knows? Um, but a he's been Naylor's been right around his his major league career numbers, but. He's just getting uh, some of those balls through. He's getting. He's got a Z contact percentage, almost at ninety. Contract percentage overall at eighty percent, meaning he's, he's he's staying with the ball, keeping it in, just same as what we talked about with Quan. He's got that contact number. His his uh, his swing percent is is right around fifty percent. His walk rate's going up a little bit from what it has been. Um, or actually down. I'm sorry for this year. But his strike rate, his strikeout rate, is also going down. 
Um, so while there is some some good here, there is also just the fact that he's just not making as much hard contact and elevating the ball as much as he could. For reference, this isn't as he's not as good as, but it's Yanni Diaz is the the correlation I have in my head where hitting the crap out of the ball. He's got, you know, some of the great EVs out of the league or out of the team rather. <coughs> Sorry. Um but they're just on the ground. They're not really going anywhere. What do you think about Naylor, uh Ethan? I'm with you that he just really needs to get the launch angle up. And and even then he's not putting baseballs in the air, but he he's you know, it's the first month of the season, but he's had half the time the rest of the team has had because he started the year rehabbing in Columbus, where he was ripping the cover off the ball. And he didn't miss a beat coming up to Cleveland and, and doing it on the major league level. Uh, so he's got 15 hits on the season. He does have four extra base hits, a pair of doubles, and a pair of home runs. He hits the ball so hard that if he can just get one at a decent launch angle, it's going to go far. So he does have a 479 slugging despite not having you know, what feels like great power, but that's that's kind of the thing on him is that he just has such great raw power. It's just figuring out how to work with his swing and get him to lift the ball or drive it into the gap. Right. Yeah, he's got a lot of those doubles down the line kind of a situation right now. So but he has that right now, but he should absolutely be lifting it over the second baseman's head into the gap kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with a doubles hitter. I mean, Michael Brantley made a career out of that before he, even even during his MVP years, I don't think he ever had over 30 home runs. Can you believe his career high in a single season's only 20? No, not at all. I yeah. I absolutely believe that. Yeah, that's I, absolutely not, the truth. Yeah, it, 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 and Michael Brantley almost won an MVP that way. So, Josh Naylor put on a Michael Brantley film, and uh, it's a good idea. Now, comparing Michael Brantley and Josh Naylor's power is apples to oranges yes uh, i stand corrected he hit 22 in his first season with houston that is his career high career you you had it for you had it for cleveland we'll for, give you that for brantley yeah so 20 for brantley in cleveland 22 right. with houston but he's not done that more than once yeah so i mean there's there's definitely some options there for Naylor, but that's that's been my surprise on offense for the year so um ethan what is your surprise on the pitching side That's a tough one. Yeah, I because felt I, I had a hard time coming up with it. I my my biggest one that I was having, I'll I'll start off to give you a little bit more time because I was thinking about it as I wrote up the write up. Um, just the fact that the the whole rotation aside from McKenzie is pitching with such a lack of velocity right now. Um, we had mentioned, you know, we keep mentioning it that these guys thought they were back. They are where they thought they would be at April, and it's May. So there's a little bit of hesitancy that, you know, everybody's... The fact that it's everybody, everybody on the team, aside from Tristan, makes it seem okay, if that makes sense. Because I don't know how all four of them, starters-wise, are dropping velocity the way that they have been. Um if it was just Bieber, I wouldn't. I would be a little bit more worried about Bieber, but not worried on the whole. If it was, you know, 
just please act or something, go for it. So for listeners who are curious, I do actually have these numbers. I have last April versus this April average fastball velocity for all five Cleveland starters. Absolutely. They care about it. Go for it. April 2021, Shane Bieber fastball velocity averaged 93 miles an hour. April 2022, 90.7. Zach Plezak, April 2021, fastball velocity 92.6. 2022, 90.8. April 21, Cal Quantrill, 94.3. 2022, 92.6. Aaron Savale, 21, 91.2. This year, 90.1. The only one who's up is Tristan McKenzie, who jumped from 91.2 to 92.3 this season. Right. The the caveat on that I will give will be Quantrill was starting the year out in the bullpen last year. So it doesn't it makes sense that he was beefed up a little bit more and, and seeing those gains there. Um but yeah, the other guys it 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 does bring a little bit of worry to the team to to fans and and wondering whether or not you know is there something there with all of these guys because I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility that everyone's hurt they were all last year so it's it's possible but the fact that you know they seem to be it's all three of these guys that all came from the same draft all have been you know it, working the same year and all that kind of stuff it, it, it's possible that these guys are are um working through something that it's an organizational idea and not to say that Tristan's against the organization at all, but you know, that they're maybe just trying to produce, you know, pitch more for the long haul than for April um, because the team has had some bad starts in the beginning. Um, and they're trying to maybe change that, you know, who knows, but the, that's been one of my biggest surprises this year is just that like, they are getting by that it's not the rotations of, of your where, you know, Kluber, Carrasco and Bauer and Clevenger and, you know, uh, all these guys are, are blowing the doors off the place. Um, it is a rotation that's getting the job done more than than dominating. So it's always a little bit different, but um, it's interesting to see that these guys are able to actually be a little bit more effective. Bieber's still able to locate his pitches. Please act. While it hasn't been great, his command is still there. Quantrill's starting to get a little bit more swing and miss on his pitch. To, you know, pitch like we said today, and, and outperforming his peripherals as he has continued to do. Um, so they're getting it done, but it just it, that's probably my biggest surprise is that uh, you know we thought these guys are going to be a little bit more ready than what they are. So, and that's what I'm going to try and buy into with the whole staff being down because Holding largely your, crossing it, your fingers, knocking on wood, however you may. Uh, not want to upset the cosmic gods there so yeah right the the red flags are definitely growing in the back of my mind but the velocity issue is almost purely a fastball related issue almost all of these guys are hitting their pars on their sliders their change-ups their curveballs almost all of that is where it should be so it is humanly possible that this could be uh, an organizational by design first two months of the season don't blow your arm out we've had a right. spring training kind of thing but at the same time I find it nearly impossible that this hasn't been a constant question asked post game to Terry Francona and Carl Willis and the guys who have taken the mound. And is there any concern to that, especially with Bieber who's coming off of a shoulder surgery, right? Anything can happen with that kind of thing. And 
you know, obviously worst case scenario is that he loses velocity, but he has been largely effective this year, despite being down two or three ticks with the fastball. Yeah. Okay. Who is your, what, or what is, or who is, or where is your biggest surprise on the pitching side? Uh, my biggest surprise is that uh, whenever Aaron Savali starts, the team just wheels a flaming dumpster out to the bump. <laughs> it, it's been rough. We've talked about it ad nauseum here that uh, Savali's this guy who just kind of flies by the seat of his pants and outperforms his peripherals almost at all times. It has not been the case this season. And kind of tried to give him a little benefit of the doubt. There had been some, just by the eye test, some some poor defensive performances behind him that, you know, came, came back to, to bite him. But this season, ERA versus expected ERA and stat cast, he's got a 10.67 actual ERA this year. His expected ERA is just under four and a half, which is kind of what you would expect out of a guy like Aaron Savali, more of a finesse pitcher, relies on the defense behind him, needs more ground balls. Um, but this year, it's it's the FIP, his fielding independent pitching, which is just absolutely killing him. And there's no expected FIP that you know points to this getting better anytime soon. But FIP is measured like ERA for our listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with this as, as a statistic. So 3.0 is considered really, really good for, for a fielding right. independent pitching stat. And this is something that just takes into account what a pitcher can control. So strikeouts, walks, home runs, this takes up a defense behind him, but he's sitting at 5.73 this season, which is not great uh, for a guy who relies on the defense behind him that he can't help himself. Uh, But the major concern with Savale is that he's normally a ground ball pitcher. He's got a 42.6% ground ball rate this season. It's 25 and a half percent. He's given up 53% fly balls. And when he's, not getting the sinker down when he's not able to get guys swing and miss then even with a dead ball these guys are just teeing off on him they're they're right hitting balls to the gap they're hitting balls off the wall he's giving up home runs this is like the extreme worst case scenario of you know josh tomlin at his worst he's leaving a slow fastball up and somebody's clubbing it into the short porch right so i think for me it's been this guy who has surprised us as a very crafty pitcher who has just been absolutely brutal out there yeah and we've give uh I've, I've pointed out before that the the whole team is really low on their ground ball rate this year so and Savali seems to be leading the charge on that however why ever however that the wants to go but um yeah i i made mention on our private side that i i i've long been a savali believer but just doesn't seem like it's happening this year. I, I guess I, I might have been trying to project a little bit more of a ceiling on him than what I thought there was. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that he's a bad pitcher. It just simply means that he might not be as good as I wanted him to be and was hoping for him to, you know, be a little bit more of a turbo Kyle Hendricks, you know, rather than a Kyle Hendricks. So, <laughs> um, not to say Kyle Hendricks is bad, but just, you know, I, he has an ERA just, title. Right. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit better than, than Hendricks and, and, you know, a little bit more than the innings either. But, um, to say that he, you know, if he's, if he's the fifth starter 
that's not a bad rotation. Sure. But, I don't think um, any of us at the website expected Savali to be, you know, a Cy Young candidate. But right. We definitely expected him to at least have those intermittent starts where everything's working. You know, yeah. you might walk a guy, but next guy, sinker gets beaten into the ground and it's a double play. That's where Savali's at his best. Right. And it's just, it's not there this season. So whether it's mental, whether it's mechanical, whether it's he's just not ready for starting duties, this is something where there's a large enough sample size now where Willis has to sit down and look at the film with him and figure out what's going on. How do you get the baseball down in the zone and how do you get guys to start hitting it right at, you know, Andres Jimenez or Ahmed Rosario now? Right. Let's not, let's not get into Ahmed Rosario playing a shortstop. He did not commit an error in the doubleheader. Positives. Baby steps. Trying not to praise people for the bare minimum. But, you know. Well, there's not. (laughs) There's not a lot of praise to throw at Ahmed right now because he's not even swinging the bat well. So Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyway, uh, I don't want to be dour and be down. Um, they're playing Andres every day, regardless of whether if it's at second base, it's at second base. So as long as they're playing him, getting him into, getting him in there, that's great. So we'll talk about where he plays later on, if at all. At all. So uh, let's do our last segment, and then we can uh, get out of here. I wanted to talk about first month MVPs. Um, I put non JRAM edition. Obviously, player of the month, uh, Jose Ramirez. Um, I think for the A or for the is it was it for the majors or was it just for the AL? I think they do those awards AL and NL. So okay. Jose won the AL Player of the Month. Cheers! You were the one of one of two Player of the Months for uh, April, and he earned every bit of it. But um, not to uh, we can we can extol the values of J Ram as as long as the day is. Um, but uh, I want to give a little bit of attention to other players and and things. Um, Ethan, who was your non J Ram MVP on the offense? I've talked a lot about Andres Jimenez today and I really like what he's doing, but I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to change it up on you at the last second. I did not write this in the sheet. I'm actually going to turn around and I'm going to give this to miles straw. Ooh, my main man, miles Cleveland's leadoff hitter has been, pretty good this season to, to say the least he's he's slashing 289 388 373 he has not hit for a lot of power but he's stolen six bases on the season he's got a walk rate over 14 percent. he drew another one today uh he's doing a lot of damage out of that top spot and you know for for a leadoff hitter to have a, a 131 wrc plus pretty respectable and he's made some great with, plays with little in, to with little to no power you know, I yeah. mean, a a slugging percentage lower than his on base percentage. You but know. that's who Miles Straw is, and we're right. seeing, it, at least in the first month of the season, a relatively souped up version of him, right. which is nice. And every game that I watch that that man is patrolling center field, my Miles Straw is going to win the Platinum Glove prediction. Looks better 
and better. Right. He is a wizard out there. He threw, I want to say, Jorge Alfaro out at second base from the warning track in center field today on a single that he tried to stretch into a double in a in a. I think it actually ended that nightmare first inning for Quantrill in game one. I think he tried to stretch a really long single into a double and straw threw him out to end the game or the, the inning rather right. with a guy on third base. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to run on miles in that situation, but yeah, I, miles, I, I think miles was up there for one of my favorite players of, of the, uh, the team. And I have him in a couple of fantasy leagues. Um, so yeah, I, I'm well aware. I, I love his approach at the at the top of the lineup. He is absolutely one of the uh, proponents of the. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm going to try to call it. I'm just thinking, I don't know why turn and burn was in my head, but just the burn pitchers out. You know, get them get them out, and, and that's he's a big proponent of it. I don't I I don't have his pitches per put appearance numbers in front of me, but I mean, a, a K percent of around 17.3, um, which in this day and age, literally just about anything under 20 is great for a K percentage, but a four, a 14.3 walk percentage. That's phenomenal. Um, in this day and age. And for somebody that's a leadoff guy, who's a slap hitter, you know, for lack of a better term with, with little, to no power, um, getting that walk rate is, is great. So he, he's, he's doing what the team is asking him to do. And like you said, six walk or six, uh, stolen bases on the uh, season so far. That's it's, he's doing what you ask. And he's, he's setting the, the stage for what the offense can do and wants to do. Ask and you shall receive. He's taking 3.76 pitches per plate appearance so far this season, which is actually little, down. It was a little less than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be over four. He was over four when I did this a couple of weeks ago, but it looks like he's been a bit more aggressive early in counts, which is fine. He's hitting the ball well, so I'm not going to complain about it. And he's still drawing walks. Um, but yeah, I, I coined I coined this, and I'm going to take it. But this is like the, the death by a thousand cuts offense. And yes. Straw is absolutely the engine that gets it started every day. Absolutely. So um, my... MVP, um, as I, I had it on my sheet, I was going to go a different way and, and go off my sheet, but, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to Tristan. Um, just an absolute monster this year. Um, he does only, he does have a, a record of, uh, one and two, but I mean, he's been turning it up and turning it on, um, limiting walks, limiting home runs, Keeping the ball in the yard is, is as big as anything. Um, getting his uh, strand rate up from last year. Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing you, that I see looking at his numbers are the, the home runs are way, way, way down. Um, home run to fly, by, fly ball ratio last year was 14.7. This year is a minuscule 3.6. Um, his ability to keep the ball in the yard while being able to elevate and get that that heater going 95 at the eyes um you know it, it is really just what you want to see out of a pitcher like Tristan um he's starting to get a little bit more length in some of his games um last two inning last two uh, starts 
he started the he started the season in the bullpen. Um, if you remember, he piggybacked with Bieber just on opening day. Um, but this last inning on Sunday against the uh, Athletics, six and a third, uh, 25 batters faced, seven Ks, one walk, four hits. Um, he's been as good as any uh, Guardian starter this year. And, and to me, it really goes to show that, you know, he's he's really out here trying to win himself a Rolex. <laughs> and uh, as we've uh, mentioned before with the uh, the Stroman bet, but um, there was a follow up on that. I know I, I, I posted it in our in our discord that uh, uh, Marcus Stroman tweeted out, said uh, my man try, really trying to get that Rolex. And Tristan said something along the lines of, of course I am. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he's been. I look. I always looked forward to Tristan starts because I liked watching him pitch. Now I'm looking forward to Tristan starts because I get to see a player turning, you know, coming into his own, and, and that's and, and it's it's truly um, what I hope fans start to take from this year that we are seeing players grow and mature at the major league level against major league pitching against major league hitting. And, you know, this is how you get Kluber's. This is how you get Tommy's. This is how you get Ramirez's, um, Jose and Manny. Um, and not to say that any of these guys are going to be that good. I'm not going to put that on, on Steve Kwan. I'm not going to put that on Owen Miller, but for fan favorites, like those guys are, to be able to have to be able to have this level of development, um, it needs to happen at the major league level, and we're being able to we're we're they're giving leash to that they're allowing these guys to come out and 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 struggle a little bit and and get back on it and um, yeah we're seeing like, we're seeing Tristan really just take a turn take a turn here and and look like the pitcher that he has been in the minors look like the pedigree that he had when he came up when he came up. Um, through the system. So I, I'm overjoyed with uh, what I've seen with Tristan. He's definitely my MVP of the, um, definitely of the pitching side. Obviously when we, if we were to include JRM, that'd be it. Um, I also do kind of want to, uh, I wanted to go Steve Kwan. I wanted to go off the board and go Steve Kwan, but that's uh, why I wanted to talk about Tristan tonight too, because he's just been fantastic and we wanted to give him some, some room here. So, the spirit um, of Mitchell is possessing me right now. Go for it. And, and I feel the need to say this because he's not here. But this, the only person that beats Tristan McKenzie is Tristan McKenzie. Yes. And th- that, that yeah. seems to be true this year. He's gotten better every time out. Yeah. Uh, the, the stamina will come as he, as he builds up. We saw it in, I believe it was the Reds game that he started, where he just ran out of gas in the fourth. Yeah. But then his next time out to pitch into the seventh against Oakland is absolutely phenomenal. And for everybody listening, think about this for a second. All of these players that we've talked about that are making impacts and we're thrilled by and are our MVPs of the first month of the season. Josh Naylor, Tristan McKenzie, Stephen Kwan, all 24 years old. Yeah. Andres Jimenez, 23. Right. The future is glaringly bright. Right. And, and it's going to be a growing pain season. But for the first month of the season, this is about 
as good as these first steps could have gone for these young hitters at a young arm like McKenzie. Right. Yeah, I mean, we... To be three and a half out of the central, two, two games behind 500, um, you know, a, a month into the season, it's as good as you could have expected for this team to have been, uh, given what we had going and uh, what we were looking at as fans going in, um, you know, uh, and taking their licks, but getting back up and, and getting back at it. You know, I, I don't think... Um, had you asked a lot of fans, I think they would have been the team would be where the Tigers was or the Cubs are. And, you know, where single digit wins, um, you know, almost 20 losses. They would have thought, you know, it's Jose and everybody and everybody else, which it is. But um, especially when it comes to, um, you know, on offense at, at, at some nights, but there are definitely bright spots on this roster that uh, are, are turning up and turning out. And, uh, you know, just want to just want to take a moment and celebrate those guys. So uh, do you have anything else for tonight, Ethan? Um, I, I was going to go over, you know, I have listed what our uh, what the team's next uh, series is. But I mentioned coming up, uh, Toronto is in town. Um, they're facing Barrios tomorrow. Uh, Kevin Gosman the, the um on what day is today? Friday. Um Gosman will be on Friday, Stripling will be on Saturday, and then Manoa on Sunday. Um with the doubleheader today, it's not sure who they're going to start on Sunday. They may end up needing to call somebody up. Um which could or they could do a bullpen game with Eli Morgan who had who warmed up tonight but did not actually pitch. So um, I don't think he's pitched in, since the game he started, right? Not off the top of my head. I don't believe he has. So I don't know if they're saving him for something um, as a possibility. Like I said, they, 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 I did hear on the telecast that they were, they were warming him up for the 11th if they needed to go to. Obviously, they didn't need to. So that was nice. Um, but uh, after a Toronto series, team goes to Chicago. Um to play the White Sox for three uh, before having another day off and traveling back, I think. Um, but yeah, anything about Toronto, anything about Chicago that you want to touch on? From the Cleveland standpoint, another good test for a young lineup. How are some of these youngsters going to hit a Jose Barrios, a veteran, a Kevin Gossman coming over from the Giants who might be another Cy Young candidate in Toronto after Robbie Ray last year. Uh, But from a a pure baseball fan standpoint, I'm going to soak in all four games of getting to watch young stars like Boba and Vlad Guerrero play. And I'm actually very excited to watch Alec Manoa pitch. Uh, He's a guy just in baseball that I'm very, very high on. And regardless of the outcome of that game, however long he's on the mound, I am going to have my eyeballs glued to that screen. Yeah, I've always liked Manoa pitching, and uh, yeah, they have just such a lineup in Toronto with Springer and um, Guerrero and Bichette. It's just, it's nuts. So, and they um, have more guys knocking on the door themselves. The everybody's favorite uh, former Guardian, Bradley Zimmer, coming back to town. So he is on the roster. You he are is correct for 
However, that mean whatever that means to them. Hopefully, he plays a whole bunch this weekend. <laughs> so, um, for for that, for Ethan, for me, for the corner cast, uh, we wish you all a happy May Fourth. May the Fourth be with you. Ethan, did you watch Star Wars at all today? Did you watch any Star Wars? It was on for all of 30 seconds in the gym before I changed it to baseball. Okay. <laughs> I'll allow it because there was a doubleheader today. But I watched the Obi-Wan trailer. That counts. That counts. That counts. That was a good trailer. So I'm excited for... Uh, I'm very much a Star Wars person. My uh, my daughters were dressed up in Grogu dresses today. So they, uh, they love the little green guy. So... But uh, may the fourth be with you, everybody. Have a good night. Take care. And uh, we'll see you next week. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 